Hi everyone and uh, welcome back after Pesach with Parsha Shmini. And uh, we're going to do the Parsha here today. It's a great pleasure to be able to address you again after a beautiful Yom Tov, after a wonderful time together with family and friends as life begins to reopen and open up after a year of uh, quarantine and lockdown and all the other difficulties we've encountered and endured. We're going to focus today on the portion of Shemini which deals with Machalot Asurot, Macholos Asurois, forbidden foods, specifically the foods that you can't eat because they're not, they're not um, kosher. Um, initially they're, they're just identified as the type of animals that aren't kosher, you can't eat them, you're not, allowed, you're not permitted to put them in your mouth. And, uh, but uh, that aspect, in a way, is only marginal to what I'm going to be talking about today, although we will be addressing it. I'm really going to be talking about the fact that the, the references that are used in this parsha are to the fact that you have to be holy. Kadoshim tiyu. So we're going to look at, I'm going to begin with one particular posuk, and uh, bear with me here. And of course you can look it up. And by the way, the source sheet, I've just taken a few pages from my favorite, the Nesivas Sholem. Um, I'm going to be reading selected passages from the Nesivas Sholem, the last two pieces of Nesivas Sholem on Parsha Shmini. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to follow along. Uh, I have not, I'm not going to be able to get through both uh, sections in their entirety. I may not even get through the, the pieces that I've identified as uh, being pertinent to what I want to say today, but be that as it may, you can print off the source sheet or look at it online. Um, and if you are watching this now live on Zoom, it is a, um, it's going to be there in the comment section. Um, and if you are watching on YouTube, it's a comment. If you're watching, on, if you're listening on SoundCloud, it's a comment. Of course, you can uh, subscribe to my channels, whether they are uh, you're going to subscribe to SoundCloud or YouTube. There's a, um, a link there, a little button at the bottom of the screen um, or that, uh, you can, that you can click on and you can subscribe to my channel and I welcome you as a new subscriber. And let's look at this posuk. It's Vaikra Yudalaf, posuk Memdalad. Listen carefully to what the posuk says. Ki ani Hashem I'm God, your God. Viskadishtem. Viskadishtem. You should be holy. Viskadishtem, sanctify yourselves. Viisem kadoshim, you shall be holy. Ki kadosh ani, because I am holy. Veloita tamu esnafshoseichem, you shouldn't contaminate your souls. Becholah sheretz haremis ala oretz, with any of the sheretzes. <coughs> What's a sheretz? A sheretz, generally translated as insect or bug or creepy crawly, some type of creeping creature. Don't in any way contaminate yourself, lower yourself, lower your standards by consuming, eating a creepy crawly, an insect, a bug, because Ani Hashem, Biskadishtem, Kadoshim Tiyu, it couldn't be more vehement and more insistent than that. The Posuk is extremely um, uh, stressing with extreme vehemence the fact that you must remain Kodosh. What does Kodosh mean, by the way? Do you know what the word Kodosh means in Hebrew? So we're very familiar with the translation of the word Kodosh into English as holy. But holy is a word like Kodosh. It doesn't have meaning until you've given it meaning. Holy, we generally speaking, understand to mean sanctified, special, 
um, spiritual. It's not exactly what it means. So, for example, the act of marriage, the uh, execution of a marriage, of a wedding, is called kiddushin. So how do you marry somebody? You turn them into something holy? That's not what it means. It means that you separate them. We're going to see that. I'm going to expand on this later on in the shir. The idea is, is that kiddushin, you sanctify by separating, by getting married to somebody, you're excluding them from everybody else in the world. And there's two sides to that, as we are going to see. But kodosh doesn't mean holy in the way we understand that English um, translation to mean. It means separate, to abstain, abstention. That's what Kedusha means. And that's really going to be the theme of today's shir. The idea of Kadosh being abstention, of being separated, of, of making something special and exclusive. Let's look at this Pasuk. We find various aspects of the Torah, by the way, particularly in Vayikra, where this idea of Kedusha enters into the picture. For example, here in Parsha Shmini, when we talk about forbidden foods, things that are not allowed to be eaten, we see this word Kadosh is used, Iksiv, because as we've just read in the Pasuk, So we see that this word Kadosh is somehow identified with this aspect of prohibited foods. The Chaim Baresh Parshas Kadoshim. Well, we know there's a Parsha in Vayikra that's called Kadoshim, which is called Sanctify. Sanctify yourselves. Kadoshim to you. Now, what does it say? Kadoshim to you, ki Kadosh Ani Hashem Very similar language that's used there in Parshas Kadoshim. What does Rashi say there? Says the Nesiv Shalom. Rashi says, Shahi Azhora Al Prishus. Exactly what I said a moment ago. Precious min ha'arayos. It means that you need to separate yourself from arayos, which is sexual immorality. Umin ha'avera. And from those things which are forbidden to you. Sins, is the way that Rashi refers to them here. geder erva In any place that you find some type of preventive action that will... Um, sustain you from falling into the trap of sexual immorality, that is the place where you will find Kedusha. Those are the words of Rashi. And further on, we find this idea of Kedusha. When talking about worshipping foreign gods, uh, we know that there is one creator God, but we know that there are also many cultures and religions that worship gods that are not God, but somehow aspects of godliness that they have identified with a particular idol, a particular pagan um, uh, god that they have identified. This idea of Avodah Zorah, so that we see the word Kedusha, Kedoshim, is mentioned in that context as well. Anybody who gives his children over to Moilech. Moloch was a, was a pagan god that um, existed in Canaan. It was an ancient pagan god. It clearly, uh, he, uh, he, I don't know how to call it, it clearly had a compelling um, effect on those who came into contact with it. And there were those who were willing to give their children to Moloch, to Moilech. So says the Pasuk, 
Um, you mustn't do that. Why? Because you must be holy. Kadoshim to you. I am God who is a holy God. In other words, this idea of Kadusha is identified with um, refraining from pagan activity. Barashi Bishim Teras Koenim. Rashi quotes Teras Koenim, which is the Medrash Teras Koenim. Viskadishtem zuprishus avodazara. So what does viskadishtem mean? Viskadishtem specifically means separate yourself, withdraw yourself from avodazara. V'yesh levar inyun parshios elush behem kosva teraloshenze. We need to really understand these um, parshios which identify Kedusha as the reason for doing a particular mitzvah. In other words, refraining from something, in particular, we saw that it means refraining from from forbidden foods. It means refraining from sexual immorality and refraining from pagan idol worship. So we see that this idea of Kedusha is closely identified with those things. We need to really understand them. Cain. Similarly, Tsarich Biur Masha Omdu Mafarshim al Aimray Kikodesh Ani Hashemalaikem. We already see that a number of the commentaries um, focus on the fact that it says in the Pasuk, I am holy, I the Lord your God am holy. Manasina Nisinas Tam Hizu. What exactly is the purpose of giving this as a reason to observe these prohibitions? The Chiklum Yochel Bosavadom Lizdamis La Kodesh Baruch. We know that it's not possible for any human being, any flesh and blood, as it were, to be able ever to compare themselves to God, who is, of course, a, a, not physical at all. So why would we identify God and His holiness as? the um, identifying factor as the motivating factor for observing these particular prohibitions. What is the sense in that? And another aspect that Nasivas Shalom is going to address, which I've already hinted at in my introduction, is this double language, this um, double use of the word Kedusha. First it says, and then it says, so he says, let's get down to the bottom of matters. Let's see if we can understand what's really going on here. What is, what is the driving force in this Kedusha um, aspect of observing mitzvahs? He says, Nachmanides the Ramban um, already began discussing it in his commentary. The Parshas Mishpotim. And Parshas Mishpatim in Sefer Shmois. Al Aposuk, the Posuk says, "The Anshe Kodesh Tihiyun Li Ubasar Besode Terefa Loitechelu." It says, "You should be holy for me, and do not eat Terefa meat that comes from the field." In other words, meat that hasn't been slaughtered. If an animal just dies in the field, that is not an appropriate thing to eat. A dead animal that has not been treated in the way that it needs to be treated in order for its consumption by someone who is Kadosh is not Kadosh and therefore don't eat it. Says the Ramban, So the first thing that the Posuk does, that the Torah does, when describing this prohibition is to say that you want to be holy, that your purpose your direction, your aspiration is to be holy. God desires 
that we, the Jewish nation, are going to be holy people. Because then you will be able to cleave to me, you'll be able to be close to me because I am holy. In other words, the aspiration of every soul, of every human being that has a soul, and particularly those of the chosen nation, is to cleave to God, to be close to God. And in order to be close to God, you need to be Kaddosh, which means you need to refrain from things that draw you away from Kedusha. And ultimately, that's the platform for your purpose in life, which is to be close to Hashem. And here the Ramban comes up with a principle that you see elsewhere in the Rishonim, and it also trickles its way into the Achronim, mainly into those that deal with Machshava um, and those who deal with Musar. You see it as well a bit in Chasidus, but the idea is that those things which you find disgusting, which repel you, they're repellent, are things which are deliberately put there for that purpose. And those things that repel you are repellent. And you don't want to be repellent to God. And they're a reminder of what you shouldn't be. And therefore, you shouldn't be closely associated with them. Eating things which are repellent makes you repellent. And that acts as a barrier between you and God. So the reason why you find, for example, bugs, or you may find bugs disgusting. You may not find them disgusting to hold them, but you would probably find them disgusting to eat. The reason for that is because God wants to give you a message. It's a subliminal message. It may be a subconscious message that I want you to be not disgusting, not repellent. I want you to be pure. I want you to be holy. I want you to be close to me. There is the message. You're on a path. You're on a path away from that which is repellent and disgusting towards something which is spiritual, holy and desirable. The whole intent of God by choosing us as the Jewish nation was to make us uh, come closer to him and have a better relationship with him. And for that reason, God said, don't eat those things which are forbidden to you. Do you know why? Because they somehow contaminate the soul and they draw you away or prevent you from coming closer to Hashem. They act as a barrier between you and God, between you and um, sanctity. The Ramban furthermore writes there, the whole purpose of eating something, whatever it is, the whole purpose of having created forbidden foods and having allowed certain foods to be eaten was to create this differentiation between that which is repellent and that which is desirable. That which is desirable is pure, is clean, is fresh. That is something that you should want to be, and that's what Hashem wants you to be. So all the halachas, by the way, whenever we see that the Ramban or any of those that describe the purpose of mitzvahs, um, give, if, whenever we see that they give a reason, that doesn't mean that if that reason doesn't apply to you, that you shouldn't observe the mitzvah. Broadly speaking, this is the reason for the mitzvah. If you as an individual don't find yourself bound by the definitions 
in the explanations and reasons given for a mitzvah, that doesn't mean that you are absolved from having to observe it. Of course you must observe it, because broadly speaking, these categories count. And therefore, the way that the kosher meat is slaughtered and the blood is drained, it's done in such a way that the animal dies quickly and is quickly dealt with so that the meat is fresh and clean and washed and salted, etc. That is because we want to keep ourselves clean, away from contamination. Whereas if you just eat anything because you've killed it, and it doesn't matter whether it's, it's an um, animal, bird or insect, then you've completely lost the whole purpose of eating, of, by the way, doing anything material or physical. We have to only involve ourselves in methodologies that keep us pure, keep us elevated, and that is the purpose of kashrut, that is the purpose of creating this boundary, this um, prohibition of ma'acholois asurois. That's what the Torah means when it says, you should be holy people for me. Because the Mechilta says, When you are holy, when you are keeping yourself separated from things which are disgusting and repellent, you are mine. Atem sheli, alidesha tiu anshe koidesh tiun li, sheli uduvukimbi. When you are holy and sanctified and separated from things which you shouldn't be involved with, then you are mine, you belong to me, you're closer to me, you're able to cleave to me and have a relationship with me, says God. So that the first posset that deals with this concept of, of Kedusha tells us don't eat carrion, dead meat that comes from the field, that just die, drop dead, roadkill. That's not a way that you'll be able to stay holy and pure. You can only stay holy and pure if you're going to be, eat meat that, uh, or from animals that have been killed in a way that keeps them above board, that keeps them fresh, that keeps uh, that enables you to remain close to me. Forbidden foods um, keep um, Jews away from having a good relationship with God. So we know from the holy books and sources that we have that the whole purpose of the Torah and the underlying purpose of the 630 mitzvahs he is to bring about an, um, a possibility, the, poli- the possibility of the Jewish people, a Jewish person having a good relationship with God. And what about somebody who keeps every mitzvah in the Torah? I mean, there's no mitzvah they don't keep. They, they, are, they keep every mitzvah to the best um, way that they can. They keep the strongest hechsherim in their homes and they make sure that they're wearing the best tzitzis and they make sure that the tefillin comes from the best sofer and they make sure that the mikvah that they go to has been endorsed by at least 14 rabbonim and they make sure that every aspect of their Jewish life is governed by the strictest possible standards. So they've done everything right, haven't they? 
says the Nesivas Shalom, they're missing the point. If a person keeps every one of the mitzvahs, but they lose sight of the fact that those mitzvahs are only a platform for a relationship with God, then the entire purpose of observing the Torah has been lost. Yes, you kept every mitzvah, but you missed the point. It's like somebody who knows all the times of the train, when the train leaves and when the train comes in the train timetable, in the schedule from the train station, but never gets on the train. Therefore, they will never get to their destination. They can know every single detail. They can recite it off by heart, but they've missed the point entirely because the purpose of a train timetable is not so that you should know the times of the trains, the purpose of a train timetable time is that when you need to get from point A to point B, that you get on the train and you know when to get on. The purpose of mitzvahs, it's like a train timetable. You do the mitzvahs, not because then you have known, you know the mitzvahs and what they are and you've done them properly, but because that gives you the ability and the possibility to come close to God. Velokach. Um, his hira Torah Bashora Viskadishtem Visem Kadoshim. That's why the Torah gives us this um, warning that you should be holy and you should be holy. Both Viskadishtem, you should sanctify yourselves and be holy. I am holy. And this applies to all the things that distance a Jewish person. Um, ultimately, from being close to God. Don't do those things. And make sure when you do the things that you do, do, do them properly. What's properly mean? Because you want to be close to Hashem. Don't uh, um, stay away from Averis because you don't want to do the Averis. Stay away from Averis because you want to be close to Hashem. Don't do a mitzvah because you want to do the mitzvah because it's fun. Of course you can do it because it's fun as well. But do the mitzvah ultimately. Reason number one, and perhaps reason number one, two, three, four, and five should be because you want to be close to Hashem. That is the purpose of doing the mitzvah. Don't do it in a way that's just doing it because that's the opposite of coming close to Hashem. Just like if you eat, just because you want to be um, satisfied, you're hungry, I'm going to eat some food, I'm just going to eat it, I'm going to put it in my mouth, and now I'm not going to be hungry anymore, then you miss the point. Eating is a God relationship opportunity. And when you do it, you should do it in such a way that you are going to enable that relationship with God. And that's what it means when it says um, in the Pasuk, you should be holy because I am holy. You need to come close and cleave to God. And Hashem, because He is holy, and He is sanctified, and He is spiritual, and He is at that level, the beyond level, He's not able to take somebody who simply treats the physical and the material as pleasure and doesn't treat it as an opportunity and as a platform to come close to Him. Why? Ki ani Hashem. Ki kodosh ani. Therefore, it says, Kadoshim to you, Ki Kadosh Aniu. Bechdeshe to you, Andre Kodesh, Betachlitz, Adinus, Alechem Lechel, Rak Macholim, Adinim, 
utahirim. That's what it means. Because you want to be that, you need to eat things which are that. And stay away from any of those things which are the opposite of that. So when you eat food which has been carefully selected, carefully treated, carefully separated, carefully um, uh, uh, put together in such a way that it observes every law of kashras, by the way, if you just eat that food because it's food on the table, there's lots of people who eat kosher food and it means nothing to them. They buy the food in the supermarket. It happens to have an OU tag on it, which means it's kosher. But they have no interest in kosher food. They're just eating the food. So they're not eating it because it's kosher. They're not eating it because it's going to bring them closer to Hashem. Therefore, it has no value as kosher food. But you know what? If you eat it because it was tagged as OU, and the purpose of you wanting an OU tagged item, or Chofke, or um, Circle K, or any of the other many, many Hechsherim that exist, reputable Hechsherim that make sure that food that we eat is kosher. If you eat it for that reason, and the reason is because you want to be close to Hashem, you've just turned a mundane, um, life-sustaining uh, uh, thing that you have to do in life into something which is going to bring you closer to Hashem. Ramban, as the Ramban says, Shekolamacholos, Anything which has been forbidden by the Torah draws people away from spirituality and pushes people away from Hashem. That you're going to be distanced from God as a result of having had any contact with them whatsoever. And this, in fact, is the entire purpose. It's the foundational reason behind Torah and behind mitzvahs. Lahavi Yehudi liyos davuk b'ashem is barach. The whole purpose of doing a mitzvah is not that you've got, you've gone through the motions. You know, it's like uh, somebody who visits a particular place, not because he has an interest in that place, but I need to go there so I can say I've been there. You don't do a mitzvah just to say I need to daven mariv today so I can tell people. Oh, by the way, I daven mariv. That's not the purpose of davening Mariv. Do you know why you have an opportunity to daven Mariv, to say the Tfilois, to say Shema, to say Shemana Esrei? Because you, it, it gives you an ability to be close to Hashem. And it's not about the way you say the words, the Chituchad Dibur, and exactly pronounce. No, of course those things are important. I don't want to in any way suggest that they're not important. You have to pronounce the words properly and to the best of your ability understand what you're saying. But if that's all it's about, or it's all about making sure that you've said every word clearly and slowly and you've taken the longest in the whole shul to finish Shemona Esrei, you've missed the point. The point of saying Shemona Esrei is not because you can prove to yourself that you've done it. It's so that you can have an opportunity. It's your window, it's your portal into a relationship with God. As the Magid of Mezrich himself said, and of course, he was the main Talmud of the Baal Shem Tov. And he said as follows, Beparshas Tshuvas Hillel Leger. Remember that there was the story of Hillel. You know who Hillel was? Hillel Hazokain. We've spoken about him in, in our Shi'urim on many occasions. Hillel Hazokain was the head of the Sanhedrin. And uh, he had a, a, a very important Talmud who was called Shammai. And they both created their own yeshivas. One was called Beis Hillel, the other one was called Beis Shammai. They're mentioned many, many hundreds of times in the Mishnah and the Gemara. Hillel was once approached after 
um, the con a convert approached him after he'd approached Shammai. Shammai had simply dismissed him, chased him out with a stick. And Hillel said to him, what do you want? He said, I'd like to learn the whole Torah whilst I'm standing on one foot. It's a Gomorrah. And Hillel said, sure, that's not a problem. He said, because the convert had said to him, Lamdeni kola Torah kula, aregel achas, teach me the entire Torah while I'm standing on one foot. Says Hillel to him, Madasoni alecha lechavercha leita ovid. So Gemara in Shabbos daflamad aleph. That which you find despicable and reprehensible and abhorrent, never do it to your friend. What is going on here? He says, that's all you need. You can put your foot down now. What does Hillel mean? That which is abhorrent to you, don't do it to your friend. He's got a very interesting interpretation. The Nesiva Shalom says, doesn't just mean your friend. The, the guy next door, the guy stands next to you in shul, or the guy in the store. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about your friend, Lachavercha, Hashem. You want to have a relationship with Hashem like a friend? Then don't do that which is hateful to you. Don't do to him. Don't do things just because you can do them. Make sure that you treat that uh, uh, that which is abhorrent to you that you would never do to him. Anything which is despicable, abhorrent in terms of your relationship, it's going to prevent you from having a relationship with Hashem. Don't do them. Don't do anything which is going to prevent you from being God's friend. This applies to every aspect of the Torah. Think about it. Why shouldn't you eat treif? Well, what's wrong with eating some treif food? It tastes very nice. Do you know how I know? Because there's seven billion people on the planet, and besides for a few million Jews, probably less than half of all the Jews in the world, everybody else on the planet eats treif food. They like it. They like going to restaurants, whether they go to McDonald's or they go to a fancy restaurant, which you know can charge $100 for a steak, in the end, they all like that food, otherwise they wouldn't be eating it, right? It's a question of supply and demand. So there's nothing wrong with the food, so why don't I eat the food? So I don't want to do something that's going to be hurtful to Hashem. You know when you have a relationship with a friend, and you know that he doesn't like talking about a particular subject. I don't know what that subject is. He doesn't like talking about, for example, he doesn't want to talk about politics. doesn't mind talking about anything, but can't stand talking about politics. And you value that friendship, you value that relationship, you're going to make sure that every time you're with that person, or every time you talk to that person, you're going to avoid one subject. What's that? What's that subject? Politics. Why? Because the relationship is important. It's like an unwritten rule. It's an unwritten law. That relationship is important. Therefore, that which is abhorrent to that relationship, I am going to avoid. And by the way, if they also know that there's something that you don't like talking about, or that you don't like seeing, then they're going to make sure that those things are going to be avoided if they want to sustain and maintain their relationship with you. That is the sign of a close relationship. Now, how are we going to have a re close relationship with God? If we're going to say, well, I want to be God's friend, but I also want to eat treif, what am I really saying? I don't want to have a good relationship with God. Because if I wanted to have a good relationship with God, and he says to me, you know what, there's one thing I really don't like. I don't like it when you eat non-kosher food. A and then you eat non-kosher food, it means I don't want to be close to Hashem. That's exactly what it's talking about in this week's parsha. That's what he says. And that cold dovashem marchik mashem is barach ovid. That's what Hillel means. Don't do the things which God finds repellent. 
This applies to every aspect of the Torah. Why? Those which are commandments, things which are, which are paramount upon you, which you have to do, things which you're commanded to do, the positive mitzvahs, positive commandments, and lavin, those things which are prohibitions, things which you're forbidden to do. Anything which brings you into a friendship with, a closeness with, a partnership with, a, a relationship with, cleaving to Hashem is Barach Ta'oved, that's what you should do. And anything which is going to prevent you from having a relationship with God, don't do it. Because that is the true purpose of every aspect of the Torah. That's why we have 613 mitzvahs. The Torah wants to make sure that we do the things which are going to bring us close to Hashem and that we don't do the things that's going to draw us away from Hashem. And when we do the things which uh, we have to do in order to be close to Hashem and we do them in order to be close to Hashem, guess what? You're going to be close to Hashem. That's what's going to happen. Moran Admor, Baal Beis Avram, says the Nesivas Shalom, that the author of the Beis Avram, a previous Salonim Rebbe, Chusay Yogan Aleinu, Omar, Bahar Shebaroiv Hashanim, Koyrim Parsha Shmini, Bimea Sfira, Shebein, Pesach, Lishvus, Vekabola Satoira. He says, why is it that Parsha Shmini, where we have this whole Parsha of Macholas Hasuras, of forbidden foods, why do we read it? Uh, in between Pesach and Shavuos, which is the time when we are counting Sphira, we're counting down or counting up, I should say, towards Kabbalah Satorah be, be, um, before we stand at the foot of Mount Sinai and accept the Torah. It's specifically because this parsha, this portion that deals with forbidden foods is mentioned. At the end of it, it says, and sanctify yourselves and be holy. It's exactly for this reason, because it is this particular period in the calendar that we are preparing ourselves to receive the Torah. It's an anniversary, but each year we relive this moment. We are going through it again. We're going to receive the Torah, right? That's what's going to happen. And what is the Hachonah? The Achana is make sure that you are holy, make sure that you sanctify yourselves. I'm going to purify you and sanctify you with the holiness of the elevated regions. It's not just that you should separate yourself and refrain from that which is forbidden to you. You should sanctify yourself even with that which is permitted. Things are permitted and even then you can sanctify yourself. You can elevate your standards so that the things that are permitted to you are even more elevated in their standards so that you can become uh, someone who is closer to Hashem. And that's why we also read Tazriyam We read about all the different aspects of things that can make you impure, ritually impure during this period of time between Pesach and Shavuos, the lead up to Kabbalah Satorah. It's an appropriate time for us to read those things because 
we want to make sure that we are sanctified, pure and holy in time to accept the Torah at Mount Sinai. Each day that we count Sphira and we count down or count up towards receiving the Torah is a new day when we sanctify ourselves, just like it was then when they were they were the 49th level of impurity and each day they managed to elevate, elevate themselves one level so that by the time they got to Kabbalah Satura on the 50th day they had cleansed themselves from every aspect of impurity and they were ready to receive the Torah in purity and sanctity and spirituality. And we find Here's one book of Mishnah Torah that he calls Kedusha, holiness, the holy. And what does he include in that book? He includes all the laws regarding forbidden foods, and also all the laws regarding uh, sexual immorality and those relationships that need to be avoided in order to maintain our sanctity. These are referred to as the laws of sanctity, the laws of holiness. It is exactly in these aspects of the human condition that a, a Jew, because he is a human being, can fall into the trap of um, lowering his standards and sinking to the lowest possible common denominator. God, for, God forbid. The sinners will fall into those traps and they will be trapped by them. They'll be, they will um, be ensnared by these terrible sins. And on the other hand, if you manage to rise above them, and you manage to do the things that you need to do in order not to be a person who's fallen into the trap of those things which are you find attractive. Because human beings find these things attractive. I'm hungry, I want to eat whatever is in front of me or easiest to get. I see someone attractive, I want to engage with them in an inappropriate way. That is the human condition, you can't deny it. That is what it means to be a human being. But if you rise above it, if you manage to ingrain in yourself, in your, into your personality, into your character, into your very fabric, that these are things that I cannot do and I won't do them, then that is um, something which will enable you to have a relationship with God. If you're able to refrain mitavas libai, bidvarim adam um by preventing yourselves from doing the things which ordinarily human beings want to do, they desire them, then that becomes the process of human sanctification. That's how a human being sanctifies himself or herself. That's going to be the root and the foundation of a person's personal sanctity by having refrained from things which naturally they want to do, but you say, I'm not doing them. And by the way, why am I not doing them? Not because I'm scared of consequences. Maybe that's the initial reason why you don't do them. I'm not doing them because they're wrong to do and because I want to get close to Hashem. That's why I'm going to behave myself. And in that way, I can be a holy person. Continues the Nesiva Shalom in the next piece. What does it say? It says, I am the one who brought you up from Egypt to, in order to be your God 
and therefore you should be sanctified because I am holy. And Usually, what does it say? The Gemara says, it says, But here it doesn't say, I brought you out of Egypt. It says, I raised you out of Egypt. I elevated you out of Egypt. So why does it change the language from Ham Ha? Um, uh, and Rashi says, What does it mean? On the condition that you accepted to do my mitzvahs, I elevated you. Why specifically here? When discussing forbidden foods, do we have this concept of Hamale Eschem? It's a, by the way, beautiful idea. What the Gemara says is wonderful, and what the way I've just explained it is very nice. I want to elevate you. I want you to do mitzvahs. I'm elevating you. Oh, well, that's a very nice thing. First of all, it doesn't say anywhere else. It says everywhere else. Hashem, it says the Eschem, Mitzrayim. When we read the Pasha of Tfilin, of Titis every morning in Krishna, it says, Hashem, it says the Eschem, Mitzrayim, Liyos Lachem, Lelekim. So why doesn't it say there, Hamale Eschem Eretz Mitzrayim And yet here by Ma'cholos Asuros, not Titus, Ma'cholos Asuros, it says Hamale Eschem Eretz Mitzrayim Liyos Lachem Lelekim. Why does it say that um, in Shpasha Shmini, but not when it talks about Titus? V'yesh Levair, Yesh Lefarish says the Nesiva Shalom. We can understand it. Ali Soid Bir Ramban. The Ramban explains and gives us a foundational fact. Uh, an ideal almost as to what it means to be a Jew. The mitzvah's kadoshim to you. When talking about this mitzvah of that you should be sanctified, you should sanctify yourself, as I mentioned earlier when this Ramban, Ramban came up, that you should sanctify yourself with things which are permitted to you, not just with things which are for, forbidden. I keep away from things which I shouldn't do. What about the things I'm allowed to do? You know that you can be. A novel birshusa Torah. Have you ever heard that expression? You can be someone who is abominable, even though you've done everything that the Torah demands of you. You can be an abominable, I can't say it, an abominable, despicable figure. You could be someone disgusting, and yet you've kept every mitzvah. Says the Ramban, your aspiration should be when you keep a mitzvah, to keep it in such a way that you're elevating yourself, even by the things that you are doing, you're elevating yourself. You can elevate yourself by doing it in a more thorough way. You can elevate yourself by injecting it with more intent, so that the intent sanctifies you. You can make sure that the way you do it, you're acting as a mentor for other people, that they're going to see that the way that you do the mitzvah, and it will encourage them and inspire them to do the mitzvah. Either way, what is, whichever way you're going to go about this, and explain it. The idea is, lekadesh atzmoi bemutar that you are sanctifying yourself, elevating yourself by that which is permitted to you. The Torah wants to tell you, even after saying about all the things that you're not allowed to do and eat and whatever it is, it's saying to you, and that Kedoshim Tiyun, Kiani Hashem, 
Kikodosh um, Ani says, God, I am holy, therefore you should be holy. You should be better than yourself, greater than the sum of your human parts. And that's why it says at the end of this parasha about forbidden foods, and you should be sanctified, you should be holy. Even that which is permitted to you should be see, um, seen by you as an opportunity to sanctify yourself. And everything that you eat should be in a state of purity and sanctity. Now we can understand this posuk of Amala Eschem Me'eret Mitzrayim. What does it mean? And I elevated you out of the land of Egypt. So I can be your God. It's because I brought you out for this purpose that you should elevate yourself and be holy and be sanctified. Remember, says the Nasiva Shalom. By the way, it's not the only place he says it. And those of you who are avid followers of my shir and have listened or watched my shir in the past will have heard this concept from the Nasiva Shalom previously. The Nasiva Shalom makes very, very clear that, um, that there's two aspects of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. There's the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Let me explain to you, he says. Shnei you need to get out of Mitzrayim, out of the bad, remove the bad, um, expel the bad, make sure that you are free of any rav, any Mitzrayim. That's the first thing. Why? Mitzrayim he ervas ha'aretz, because it's the ultimate expression. Egypt is the ultimate expression of evil. The Yisrael And we know that the Jews had almost sunk to the lowest level. Had they got to 50, they would never have been able to extricate themselves. And God even would not have been able to extricate them. And uh, the purpose of Yitzhak Mitzrayim is to get out of Mitzrayim, to remove yourself from Mitzrayim and to mit remove Mitzrayim from you. God that took them out of there. What's the second chilek, the second part of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? And that's to be, um, that God wanted to be our God. First thing is you need to remove yourself from bad. Sur And then, and then you can be good. The first thing is to make sure that there's no bad anymore, that you're not involved with bad. And then, then I can be your God. Because it was as a result of coming out of Egypt that we were able to be the Amanifcha, the chosen nation for Hashem. And in order to prepare yourself <coughs> for this moment of being an Am Hanifchar, you need to understand, I am holy, says Hashem, therefore, Kedoshim to you, you should be holy. But it's already the second chapter. The first chapter is to get out of Egypt. The second chapter is Kedoshim to you, Ki Kadosh Ani. As the Nesiva Shalom says, as I explained elsewhere, on the generalities of the exile in Egypt. God said to Avram Avinu, what did he say? The covenant, um, the Ben Absorim covenant, that, uh, where he told Avram Avinu that his descendants would be slaves in a foreign land. What was the word he used? You should surely know. What does he say? 
that your descendants will be gerim, will be strangers, foreigners in a land that doesn't belong to them. And they will be enslaved. They will be persecuted for 400 years. It says in Shalom, it's very puzzling that this Golis ever occurred, that this exile was ever decreed by God on the Jewish nation. Because we know that all our uh, exiles are as a result of our sins, of our iniquity, of our lack of standards, of our slipping standards, of us not meeting that which God demands of us and expects of us. That is why um, it says, Mipnei chato'enu, Golinu me'artseinu. Because of our sins, we were banished from our land. Hare begolus mitzrayim. However, when it comes to the exile in Egypt, yordu shim nefesh kadosh elyon. Who were the people who came into Egypt? Seventy souls who were the highest, most holy people that you could possibly imagine. Rosh hamishpachah shaklal yisrael. They were the heads of the tribes of the families that would ultimately make up the Jewish nation. Shelohoyah b'hem shum pegam. There was no sin in them. There was no uh, d uh, damaging aspects of their character or personality that would prevent them from having marched straight towards Yerushalayim and building a base of Mikdash. Why did they go into Golus? And even worse, from this group of people, the nation descended into the 49 levels of Tumah. That's terrible to take a group of pristine, perfect people and turn them into a nation that was deeply embedded in the negative cultural aspects of Egypt. That's a terrible thing to do. Why exactly was this Golis? What was the cause of it? It was a cleansing moment for the Jewish nation. It was a moment where they went through the most difficult period of our history in order so that they could emerge as the chosen nation. They needed to be cleansed. Cleansed not in the traditional sense of cleansing or take something to the laundry, but going through every aspect of human suffering so that they could emerge um, as, a, as a kind of clean sheet of paper where from there on they could become the Amhanifcha, not because they were preconditioned to be the Amhanifcha, but because they themselves had earned it by the experiences that they had been through. They were only able to reach this Madrega, this level, because of all the difficulties that they had had to endure. And this is exactly what it means when God says to Avram Avinu, and you shall surely know. If it is, is your will, your desire, for this group of people, your descendants, to be the Am Hanifcha, the chosen people, the only way that that can happen is if they go through this process, processing, I should say. They go through all the things which are described in that pasuk. And based on this, we can explain. I'm the one who elevated you out of the land of Egypt. There is that part of getting out of Egypt. Getting out of that which is bad. 
ויש החלק של המעלה. There is that which is elevated. You know, when we call it, we go to move to Eretz Yisrael, we don't say we're moving to Israel, we say we're going on Aliyah. We're moving away from where we're coming from, but we're going on Aliyah to Israel. There's two Chalokim, right? There's Yetzias Mitzrayim, and then there's Aliyah to the Am HaNivchar. Hamale Eschem. I elevated you out of the land of Egypt. That elevation that where they're coming out of Egypt wasn't merely escaping the evils of the culture of this, uh, of this Egypt country that they've been living in for centuries. No, there was also this aspect of coming out as an Amhanifcha so that they could have a close relationship with Hashem. Now we understand the end of the Pasuk where it says that this Hamale, Eschem Eret Mitzrayim, is only possible if it's conditioned on you shall be holy, because I am holy. Not just that you should prevent yourselves, you should be the Surmeira people, get out of the Mitzrayim aspect of your lives. Even those things which you are meant to do, make sure that you do them in the highest possible way, in the best possible way. As the Ramban says, you will be Makaim through this, that you will have done that which you are permitted to do, you will have done all the mitzvahs, or even things which are not mitzvahs, every aspect of your life which you are allowed to do, the way you conduct yourself, you conduct yourself in the highest and best possible way. That means that it's Hamal Eschem Me'eret Mitzrayim, not just Yetzias Mitzrayim. Um, says says the Nesiv Shalom Va'alidayze Yagiu Lamadrega Shal Ki Ani Hashem Hamal Eschem Eretz Mitzrayim VeKan Hamokayim Hayochid Shenichta Vatera Haloshon Hamal Eschem Me'Eretz Mitzrayim It's the only place, this place which deals with Ma'acholos Asurais with forbidden foods, is the only place where this particular form of language is used. Just to end with the last paragraph of the second piece of Nesiv Shalom, I've missed out a lot. By the way, you can. You can download this and print it off and read through the whole thing. I've just taken excerpts from it. it says the last paragraph, and this is reminiscent of the Pesach Chag that we've all just celebrated. We know that in every generation a person has to imagine as if he was the one or she was the one that came and emerged as out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt. And this um, addresses both aspects of Yetzias Mitzrayim. Both getting out of the bad um, in, on one aspect, and also heading towards the light of becoming the Amhanifchar, the chosen people. And we have this opportunity on Pesach and now when we are in this period of Sviras Omer, heading towards Kabbalah Satara, we have this possibility of reliving this moment of Yetzias Mitzrayim and Hamale Eschem, Meret Mitzrayim, to become the Am HaNifcha. Make sure that that which you do, you do in the best possible way. And the mitzvahs that you observe, you don't just do them because they're a matter of rote, a matter of habit, or because you can't get away with not doing them, or because there's peer pressure. 
you're doing them because you're going to do them the best possible way so that you can become the Amala Eschem Eret Mitzrayim. You can become part of the Am Hanifchar. How is that possible? Umaran Admor Baal Beis Avram. So the Beis Avram has a suggestion. It's a very interesting suggestion. He says, The Posik that we began the Shir with, where it says, And you shall be sanctified and you shall make yourselves holy. How is it possible for a person to get drunk? How does a person become a drunkard or become inebriated? First he drinks one cup. Well, that doesn't make you drunk. If you drink one cup of whatever it is, whether it's wine or vodka or any liquor, you're not going to get drunk right away. But then you drink another cup. Um, and then you drink another one so that you should become shikr. One followed by another, followed by another. We have this process, we're familiar with it. The first one is never going to turn you into someone who's inebriated. The second one may be tipsy. Third one, slowly but surely. But that is, it's a metaphor for his kadishtem and then v'hiisem kadoshim. Shoisim kois achas v'oid kois v'ad shanihim shikur. That's how you should become sanctified. How is it possible? Um, uh, how can you become holy? How can a physical human being, a material person, a, we're a mammal, we're an animal, how can we become holy and sanctified? Like Hashem says, Ki kodosh ani elo nishmar pam achas. Just make sure that you guard yourself from that which you shouldn't be doing. Just one time. It starts with one. And at that point, you're not going to be holy. And then you're going to do the mitzvah and you're going to do it better than you did it last time. Uh, by the way, that's not going to get, make you holy yet. Slowly but surely, you're going to be heading in that direction. But because of each time that you do it, with each time that you do it, it's like another cup of liquor. It's like another glass of wine. It slowly builds up until you become sanctified. There's a gam inyan bi'ur chomets, and that's why we get rid of the chomets in our house. That's what we do. We sur meira, we get rid of the chomets. First, we get rid of the chomets, and then that prepares us, it puts us on the path of kadoshim tiyu, v'yisem kadoshim, ki kadosh ani, hamale eschem me'eret mitzrayim, liyos ha'am hanifcha, so that we can become the chosen people. We'll leave it here for today.